Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Sheila Walsh, who is a leadership specialist, coach, and researcher with a background in coaching psychology and organizational development. She was voted a top 10 leadership coach in Dublin by Influence and Digest, and she was honored to be recognized on the Women Who Break the Bias list in 2022. Thanks so much for joining us today, Shyla. Thanks a million. Good to see you here. I want to kick us off by reading a line from your website, which states that you, quote, drink too much coffee, get frustrated frequently, and you ponder why about the big things far too much. Your personality really comes across in everything that you do online. Um, the work that you do is extremely important and very serious, and I want to get into that, but I would definitely say that you lean into your personality a lot. Is that a conscious decision given your entrepreneurial spirit and the work that you do, and, and why do you think it's been successful for you? Well, I think one of the core things to, to everything I do or believe is that being ourselves takes the least effort hmm. and so if I'm going to spend a lot of time looking at the data reading the evidence encouraging people learning skills what I don't want to be doing is masking um, or putting a lot of effort into um, hiding myself but that line in particular came from this notion I met someone and he said to me I was expecting you to be um, like very prim and proper very perfect you know uh, very straight laced and you're kind of a lot more relaxed that, than, than he was expecting. And I was like, oh, that's really important to express that because mm. it's already nerve wracking enough to meet someone who's going to look at your work and look at the way you lead and look at feedback you're getting to then also have them kind of playing perfectionism would be really intimidating. So there's kind of two things there. One is it's just easier. And secondly, whenever I sit with per a person, it's me they're getting with mm. all my experience, education, practice insight but it is me the person delivering it so it's much easier just not to be trying to pretend to be anything I'm not it saves me a lot of hassle when, when you meet someone new and they ask you what it is that you do how, how do you respond to them yeah that I'm I think I'm about 12 years doing this and I still don't don't frame it very well what what I would say is that I work in the intersection between the experience in leadership and the evidence and those two do come together really well. Um, so I work, I work with people around that, but I specialize ultimately in leadership development, whether I'm shadow consulting or consulting with an organization, coaching actual leaders, managing directors, CEOs, or running out a program from middle management up. So it, it, it kind of shows up in many different ways. So I, I still haven't nailed that. You know, that's like the first thing you're taught when you set up a business is this elevator pitch and um, pitch. Well, I'm about 12 years in now and my elevator pitch still is, is uh, as confused or as broad as it was in the beginning. We, we got to chat a little bit before I hit record and we talked about um, one of the questions that I probably most enjoy asking um, guests. And it's a common belief around effective leadership development that you disagree with. And given the years that you've spent in the industry, does something pop up to you? What do, what do you disagree with that you think maybe organizations lean a little bit too heavily into? Okay, so this is this one, I was like, there's a list, but if I was going to say the top one, it's that a lot of leadership development programs and interventions use evidence, but the evidence is 
is in a different context, a different industry, mm. um, or a different organization with different values. So even if it's in the same industry and you're saying, oh, it's it's evidenced, if the organization uses different values and policies, practices, and procedures, then that evidence isn't relevant. So a lot of what's being evidenced, while evidence is really important in leadership development, a lot of what's being used doesn't take into account whether it's actually a good fit for what you're currently mm. doing. So a lot of advice is being given that isn't really tailored to what the organization actually needs. And it's it's taking something that is quite generic and replicating it as if it's specific and it's not. Hmm. What, what was the defining moment in sending you on this path? Do you have one from your past where you kind of realized that this is the work that you wanted to do and, and you wanted to, to focus your life's work on this? So I suppose being the eldest <laughs> kind of helps because it, I, I had my first business experience when I was about eight and I had two employees who were paid in sweets and they were my little brothers. So this has been kind of like in, in my makeup in the world. But there was, I, I'm, I have really big values in community and I believe that we it's a reciprocal relationship that we exist in communities. And I remember getting to a point where there was some funding in, in a community development that I was involved in that was stopped and it was stopped by a private company. And I was working with private companies at the time as well, but I couldn't understand how they could stop this funding. And what it boiled down to was that the senior person in charge who was making this decision had no connection to the impact of the decision they were making. Hmm. And I remember deciding that from, from then on, I was going to try to work with people who are in positions of power who were missing basic data or information or connection to the impact of their decisions. And I knew that I wanted to really focus on that rather than generic performance or mm -hmm. generic leadership. I wanted to work with people who were in positions of power and could use that more effectively in ways that they'd be proud of using it, not just in their role, but actually in how their organization impacted its employees, its communities, the societies it exists within. You've obviously had the chance to work with some very impressive organizations, and I'm sure some very impressive organizations. When you think back to the work that you've done, are there a few traits that really pop out in effective leaders that you've interacted with that they go above and beyond um, what would even be considered successful? Maybe some even traits that you've taken and tried to take into your own life at, as a leader. Do you have a few that, that pop out given the years of working with some of these very impressive organizations and individuals? Yeah, so, so I think that effective leadership is a really broad term because what's effective in one setting might not be effective in another. And so one of the things that people who are really effective do is they can actually assess this a situation really well. They take in situational markers, context before making decisions. They don't just try to plow old experiences mm -hmm. into new settings. Um, I've yet to meet somebody who's really effective in their leadership and not have a level of personal awareness and relational awareness. Mm. So they're kind of the three things. They're, they're aware of context so they can make critical decisions well. They usually have really good personal development and are really strong relationally. So for me personally, the thing I've had to adopt, you know that word networking, I absolutely, I find it really hard because I had some really negative experiences where it was very fake. Mm. And that isn't what I mean when I say networking. but building relationships with people who you can mutually help. And sometimes that means you help them first. Mm. Um, and, and that's probably been the number one thing that I've learned from all of the really good leaders that I've interacted with. They, they aim to help people rather than help to trade. Um, and they naturally get it, it comes back, it's reciprocal, but they do actually go out there to have an impact on other people. And 
I've definitely tried to adopt that since seeing how um, important it is and how good it is for people. We, we've touched on it a little bit, and um, I think I mentioned it a little bit in the introduction, but a good portion of your audience is actually based in, in North America, and then you, you definitely have a, a global audience. Um, but what, what do leaders need to be aware of when they're dealing with a global audience? What are some of the skills that leaders today need to cultivate to be a more inclusive leaders, leader, given the geographic differences that we all have to, to work around? Yeah, so first off, acknowledge that um, you, we all have geographical kind of restrictions. So one of the things that has come up in the research is that um, leaders in the West talk quite globally, like hmm. our perception is a global perception, whereas leaders in the East will will more um, will be more clear about their geographical location and expertise. Hmm. So one of the things we have to do is acknowledge the restrictions of our geographical kind of exposure but also be open to pursuing connections in other locations so that we can learn, create partnerships with people in other settings so that we, you aren't just using your language. So for instance, um, how inclusive leadership is understood in the West is different to the East, quite simply. So we could use the language, but what somebody understands it as based on where they are located will be different. So we also need to explain what we mean by it. And then the other one that drives me nuts is when people do acronyms and they think that that's going to speak across industries, organizations, mm -hmm. geographical locations, when the reality is one like TA can be transactional analysis in therapeutic work, thematical analysis in, a, in research, wildly different. So if you're talking to different communities of leaders as well, you've got to know that your acronyms are going to get in the way. So be willing to kind of actually describe what it is you're saying. I think they're probably the, the two key ones for a global audience. Hmm. A question that we get frequently from our audiences around, I would call it a general theme of preparation. How do you prepare for a new client, uh, a new organization that you're working with? What does kind of preparation look like for you on a week by week basis or in preparation for a meeting? Do you have anything that you do um, that you think our listeners could benefit from? Yeah, I think one of the the most helpful ways that has become even more helpful in the last couple of years is using social media. Hmm. So for me, going to people's social media pages, whether you're direct manager, obviously don't stalk them on Facebook and then pretend you didn't. So like appropriately on Twitter or on LinkedIn or seeing what organizations are promoting at the moment, because their social media will be the most current kind of expression of what's important to them. So I think that's really helpful. The other is actually being brave and reaching out to people. And um, there's nothing worse than starting your first day and really meeting everyone for the first time. It's totally appropriate to ask, can you have a quick chat with someone mm. for 15 minutes before you, you start, whether that's your first meeting with someone or entering a new organization. So for me, the prep work is relational. It's understanding their current context and trying to create connections before going in to do anything with them or for them. What has surprised you the most over the last couple of years about maybe how leadership has changed or about how your role has changed? Has, has anything kind of shocked you or surprised you about what you're doing now that maybe three or four years ago you would be surprised that you're spending as much time focused on? So I suppose there used to be a perception that um, leaders were just somehow more um, capable than, than people who weren't leading. So there was this kind of notion that and they had more competence and they were more informed. But as the research and as practice has gone on and as we're globalizing now in terms of our workforces, 
it's become more apparent that actually we have to work together. And while that was being said before, it, was, it wasn't really being measured and it wasn't really being used in terms of performance. But now that flat structure, it, it's more normalized. Um, different points of view are being required to make decisions now, whereas before it was being said that it was happening. So I think that there's a new, a new um, relationship with leadership emerging that's really about facilitating um, conversations, decisions, progress, rather than directing, which I think previously it was much stronger towards. It was aligned more with the hero leadership style or the great man leadership style, rather mm. than now it's much more about being relational and collective. And, and I can only see that growing because the research is suggesting it, but also because the evidence tells us it's more productive. Hmm. So that, that's actually a perfect lead into my next question is what should organizations and individuals be preparing for in the next couple of years, which maybe we're underprepared for? And as a kind of piggyback off of your last comment, how can we be prepared for that to increase the amount of relational leadership and a flat leadership structure? If that does continue, how can organizations be prepared for that? So I think relational skills, develop your relational skills rather than just technical skills. That's really important. In, develop that capacity within your teams, within your organization. Ultimately, what's going to happen is we're going to have to be better asking questions and actually listening. Hmm. Um, not listening to give them a more informed answer or to sound smarter or to get into a power struggle or to dominate, but listening to inform our decisions. And I think that that's, that's going to be a new, a new approach that people need to try because we're going to be working with people from different cultures, language barriers and um, different locations, whether they're in the office hybrid or not. So really starting to find solutions with your people is going to be really, really important and not for them. And that's a real shift in terms of power and in terms of how we engage with direct reports. So as the as organizations flatten, your capacity to listen is going to become really empowering for you. Whereas previously we listened for them. We listened for other people to feel heard. We now need to really listen to intentionally learn so that we can inform our decisions with the needs of our customers and the needs of our people. So I, I think that that's really the, the fundamental piece. Hmm. Complexity isn't going anywhere. It, hmm. it never did, but now we're talking about it more. So we're, we are going to continue to face global issues, wars, um, health crises, like that's going to continue. So what we need to do is, is really keep our ear to the ground to understand how to respond to that most effectively and, and increase those skills within our teams. I'd love to shift a little bit and talk about you as a leader and maybe how you've evolved. Um, how, how do you think you've changed the most during this entrepreneurial journey that you've been on? Um, when you think back to where you were when you started to where you are now, where do you think you've evolved the most? So I would say I was a very bad leader. And, mm. and, I, and that's actually, that's not even a judgment. It's like objectively. Um, what I learned about leadership was dominating people and directing them. Mm. and I then replicated what I saw because I didn't know any better. So what has happened over time is I, I have figured out I don't have to have all the answers. And then I've been able to listen more effectively to people. But also I've, I've become more tactical at how I communicate frustrations, difficulties. And um, there's a difference between being under crisis um, and actually feeling under crisis. So being in a crisis might require more direction, more um, quicker decision making. But when I feel under crisis, we do the same thing. So it's knowing the difference between being under that pressure and feeling under that pressure. So that's been really important for me. 
also before I um, started in this business I worked for one of the best managers I've ever worked for and I, I talk about this he the reason he was so good was he was able to support people in quitting before he needed to fire them hmm. um, because he really believed that they had potential and capacity but that this wasn't the place for them and so I learned how you can make really good business decisions and you can respect people and honor them as as individuals and um, and respect their humanity and treat them with respect so that's been a big piece for me is you get more out of people by respecting them um yeah so so that that has increased uh my practice but also how i lead and influence so i do a lot of mentoring now and a big part of that mentoring is building people's belief in themselves because mm-hmm. actually when you go into a workplace and all the power structures you put away a lot of your skill set whereas previously I didn't understand the depth of that a I wasn't trained in it I didn't understand the psychological aspects of leadership but also I didn't witness good leadership up until that manager that I've mentioned as a as a final question before we shift to the the rapid fire questions the theme that has probably come up the most on the show is a theme around curiosity and i would love to ask you you've talked a lot about the research that you you've done and you've um been focused on what are you the most curious about right now if budget wasn't an option and you had the opportunity to to basically research anything what would be the thing that that you find the most curious right now and it could be focused on your work or or outside of the work that you do so why people aren't motivated to higher performance naturally. So why we put so much money and effort into training people to help motivate people. Hmm. But actually, I think what we need to be thinking about is why our workplaces aren't naturally motivating people. What is happening in the structures, the policies, the procedures, the way we work, the culture, that people aren't coming to work and smashing it every day. Hmm. Um, it would they they have to come to work anyway if they're coming. So why not have a great day at work and smash it? I, I think there's there's something missing there that would be worth exploring. That is that is a fascinating spot to uh, to close us out and a great spot to shift to the final rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And the first one is this. If you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? So you've actually just used the word, it's curious. Hmm. I think more than anything, I'm really curious about what makes people th- tick why things work why they don't how we improve things so i'm constantly questioning and the final rapid fire question is this what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received so i received it in some training um, and it was when somebody blames you for something it's an unmet need and if you can get past your defenses and you can start to explore their unmet need you'll actually be able to find a resolution with them and that is hands down the best advice in marriage, in relationships and at work. Well, framing it as an unmet need is a wonderful spot to close us out today. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find out more about you? So over on my website, SheilaWalsh.com, spelled S-I-L-E. And also I have leadership letters there. So you can sign up to hear from me weekly or over on Twitter or LinkedIn. It's still Sheila Walsh. Well, thank you for all of the great insight and thanks to all of our wonderful listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. 
You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Ability Sims. And you can find our organization at ability.com. That is A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E.com. I want to thank Shyla again for joining us on this episode. And of course, I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. This podcast is produced by Ability, a leading provider of award-winning leadership development. You can find us at www.ability.com or by searching for Ability Leadership Development. Make sure to also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini MBA, the Invited MBA, a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. Find more information at www.invitedmba.com. Finally, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. We want to thank you all for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.